Alright y'all, it's Angels of Paradise AOP Season 2, Episode Number 9. I am Daniel, joined here as always by Brandon and by Phil. Brandon, how on earth are you doing today? I am ready for some cooler weather. Uh, mm. we're, it, it's coming up, that's what the weather app says, it's coming up, but it's not here yet. How are you, Phil? I'm doing really, really well. I went on a 30-mile road bike uh, ride this morning. I'm drinking a lot of iced tea. I'm ready for this pod. I feel great, what, Daniel. What are you putting in your iced tea? Uh, ice only. Is it sweetened or unsweetened? Unsweetened. Okay. Okay. I'm drinking it straight. I really like – I mean, I've had coffee already this morning, but iced tea kind of uh, – <laughs> rides a little bit different than coffee you know yeah. what i'm saying like yeah, it's a slower that. a slower uh, anxiety building than <laughs> uh normal coffee okay. daniel how you doing man i am doing really well just out here enjoying this humidity uh, we have a very high humidity situation here in texas so high that the back door of my home sort of expanded and there have been all sorts of issues related to that. But, you know, we're dealing with those issues. And I overall am feeling absolutely fantastic. Feeling really lucky to be here with uh, Brandon and Phil today. You know, we are famous for a variety of different things here on AOP Angels of Paradise. People, when they think AOP, you know, a lot of different beautiful things fly into their brains. But one thing consistently that the fans will tell you is that the quick draw segments, the lightning round, is the place to be. Today on the quick draw lightning segments, since we are at this transitional moment, we're shifting from summer into something approaching fall. It's less than 95 degrees here in Texas, possibly. I'm not actually sure if that's true. I wanted to discuss the best season. Quick takes, quick draws from your AOP, your angels. Which season is best? Fall, spring, winter, or summer? Personally, when I think of seasons, uh, I basically just think of fall. I think of flannel shirts I think of jeans, I think of boots, I think of walking around the old pumpkin patch, taking a hayride, and just relaxing in some cool, crisp weather. Brandon, where are you at on the issue of seasons? In theory, I like fall, but we don't really have fall in Texas. And I think fall has one big downside, and um, that is the arrival of all the pumpkin-flavored crap everywhere. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, this is a PG show. This is a PG show. Language. Oh, man. But yeah, (laughs) keep going, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Tell us about this (laughs) CRAP. No, no, no. Let's let's do a quick poll then. Uh, Do any of the other angels enjoy pumpkin-flavored anything? Uh, Yeah. Oh, I, it's yes, my main did. reason for living is <laughs> All right, fresh so, pumpkin pie. Yeah. Fresh okay, okay. 
pumpkin. Okay, come on, man. Okay, yeah, other so, than pumpkin pie. Other than pumpkin pie. So something that is not supposed to taste like a pumpkin, but between September and November takes on a pumpkin taste. Yeah, so Aldi Aldi makes a um, a pumpkin sauce. I'm not really sure how you describe it. That is to be used when you're eating a pasta, and it is absolutely delicious so that quick thought pumpkin pie aldi pumpkin sauce can't beat it okay so i will take that one as well because pumpkin, pumpkin is a, soup pumpkin is a legit italian ingredient so uh-huh. that that account that counts more legit what than you, what's the real issue here brandon what's yeah, the real issue so you can say it out loud they're not a sponsor who do you have beef with that's making a pumpkin based product that only comes out in the fall. <laughs> I have an issue with Starbucks. But do, you, but do you not like the product or do you not like the community? That's a good question. So first of all, I'd have to say that I don't think Starbucks produces anything that's worth consuming. Oh, oh, Not oh. true. Not true. Oh, not nitro cold brew. Nitro cold Sweet brew. cream. Come oh on, God. man. Oh my god! Come it's, on, it's next level flavor. Oh, it's so good, Brandon. Are you my serious? Stomach explodes. So, how about you? Don't like pumpkin beer? You won't. You're not like one time a year pumpkin beer guy. No, that's. I think that's a New England thing. I do not understand pumpkin beer. Um, I remember in college, uh, you know, one of my roommates it really enjoyed pumpkin beer and was always excited whenever. I can't re- remember what the big one was. I think it was Harpoon. Um, their pumpkin beer came out. I don't it, believe stuff's this. always been vile, I think. I don't believe that you don't drink pumpkin beer, Brandon. Vile. <laughs> I don't believe that. What, so what, Brandon, what pumpkin products are you consuming? Um, none. Not even seeds? You don't eat pumpkin seeds? Come I don't on, really man. like the seeds. I will eat a roasted pumpkin um, or a roasted gourd as part of some sort of, you know... Um, Ritual, yeah, vegetable entree, um, <laughs> fall ritual. Uh-huh. Wait, so, but, are you against all gourds? No, no, no. I mean, gourds have their place. Um, squash and On gourd is porch. not my favorite of the mm. vegetable kingdom, um, but I will eat them. Okay, this is this is the real stuff that AOP needs to get into. What what is the what is your most hated pumpkin product? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Where are you at with Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin? I haven't seen it since I was a child. Um, I think pumpkin lattes are nasty, and I, I don't understand why anyone consumes those. Mm. What is pumpkin spice? Is it just cinnamon? That's a good question. It smells like cinnamon. That's true. Yeah, Has anyone had one of those spi- pumpkin spice I'm gonna go Is it get a latte one. or a regular drink? I think it's a latte. I think you can get anything pumpkin spice though now at Starbucks. It's like a pump that you can put in anything. Pumpkin pumps, yeah. It's probably cinnamon. That sounds like cinnamon. Yeah. Well, okay, so you've got fall. We're all fall fans. Uh-huh. Just bear with me on this one. Is there a summer <laughs> vegetable or product that we hate? That we hate? Yeah. Summer. I was gonna or, say, I mean, watermelon really is kind of the premiere. Summer product, so shout out to watermelon. Tomatoes, to water tomatoes are a summer vegetable, right? Um, yeah. watermelon. Do we have one person on the pod that is super against watermelon? 
I'm agnostic about watermelon. I love it's, watermelon. It's fun. I like all melons. I think you can. <laughs> I think you can get watermelon year round. I don't know. If it's would be interesting. You only want to eat it in the summer, man. You don't pop out a watermelon at Christmas. Here's one. Here's one. Corn on the cob. That's a summer thing, right? Phil, do you think I'm eating corn on the cob? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't, I don't think you so. You ever seen my mouth before, Phil? <laughs> I think. All right, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So right. Brandon and I, Brandon, this you're pro is... corn. I I think corn off of the cob is perfectly fine. I do not like eating it um, while it is still on the cob. I find what that to be he... distinctly unpleasant. Does Dallas do street corn? corn? Does Dallas do street, street oh, do corn? Like elotes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can see an elote spot. If I walked out <laughs> in the street right now, I can see a woman inside of some sort of, it's like a shack. It's like a pop-up plastic shack that she has selling elotes right now. <laughs> I can see her from my house. And I'd also have to say about the corn thing. Um, when I lived in Russia, there was a fast food um uh, kind of chain. I can't remember what it was called, um, but Dos they sold. <laughs> they basically sold like a Russian version of a lotus, and that was a great vegetarian hookup. Um, reliable you know what? in Russia. Uh, in Slovenia, I visited mm. Slovenia. I was there for a few days, and they same thing, man. Street vendors just doing roasted corn elotes. Really Dos weird. Vidania to summer. Yeah. All right. Vidania to summer. All right. <laughs> All right, we so summer, food, summer food. What about cream corn? I want a quick answer on that one. What is disgusting? Cream corn? Disgusting. Just like a canned corn. Oh no, canned vegetables in general are bad, except for um, like jarred mushrooms. I love the mushrooms that come out of what? the jar. That's that's different. There's canning, but then there's can. So, quick question, Brandon. You didn't grow up around people who were taking canned vegetables, marinating them in butter, and then feeding them to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's probably why I hate that stuff now. Okay. All right. Mm. Cool. Okay. So, <laughs> summer, easy winter. or <laughs> Fall, yeah. easy winter. Easy winter. Summer, easy second place. Let's talk winter. winter. Yeah, where are we at with winter? It's number two. It's a close two. Do you do the For coldness? Me. You like the coldness? I love the cold. Mm. I love it. I it love it. I run nice. hot, man. I run hot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Brandon? In theory, I like winter, but I have to say this, you know, living in Texas um, for as long as I have now, I think I have gotten out of the habit of winter. Mm. And so I don't know if I could really deal with a Midwestern winter now, like mm-hmm. I could have, you know, a decade ago. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you've gotten soft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to Chicago in November a couple of years ago, um, right before the pandemic, and I thought I was going to die the whole time I was there. Yeah. Um, I have totally gotten soft. That happens to me every spring. I have to go to Chicago, and I find myself in pain because I forget to bring a coat or something like that. I mean, I think for us, the winters, the fact that our houses might be demolished by the most modest of snows or ices is not really a very pleasant feeling. Would you rent a coat at O'Hare? <clears throat> yeah. If they, if they were um, properly cleaned and you could rent a coat for $20, sort of yep. a really big coat. Cause I mean, honestly, even traveling with one is such a pain, right? right. I ended up buying one of those uh, shout out to Uniqlo 
light down coats that you can kind of stick in a little uh, case. Because yeah. I do go to cold weather places on occasion. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice if you're in Chicago to have one of those big like a huge right. coat. Like a Wait, how is that is that a business model? Can you rent a coat <laughs> at O'Hare? How many how many seasons do you think you could get out of a single coat? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> like renting, like if you were to show up season after season yeah. at O'Hare with the same Uniqlo coat that you were renting. Yeah. Do you think people would be like, nah, that's that's played out. I can't I can't rent last season's coat no i don't think that's the case at all i think that people like uh like us who don't really just need coats like that we don't keep up with coat styles you know (laughs) all right so i've got the idea then so here's your rental coat spot at o'hare you show up and it's cheap right let's say it's ten dollars to rent a coat for a long weekend or whatever you're there for in chicago But what it is is a 1990s Chicago Bears starter jacket, and that's what you yeah. have to wear. Yeah, although who wants yeah. – I think of bowls, man. No one wants to wear a Bears starter jacket. I think the, I think you could probably find a warehouse full of yeah. new old stock bowls yeah. starter jackets. Man, or like Phil, the Charlotte the, Hornets. You could get Charlotte Hornets, yeah, yeah, Hornets yeah, yeah, yeah. and Easy. Bulls starter jackets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, I don't know if you know this. This is a – so back when I was a teen, you probably don't remember what gear I wore. But one of my favorite items of clothing was an Orlando Magic hoodie. It's a black hoodie. And I wore it all the time when I was a teenager. And probably about five, six years ago, my mother pulls out Whoa. a brand new – she bought two at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> waited, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years and gave me the second one. That's a good mom. Old is it called new old stock? Is that what that's called? No, yeah, new NOS, NOS, new old stock. <laughs> and Brandon, did I touch on a little something when I said the Charlotte Hornets starter? Did you have one? <laughs> oh yeah, I had one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. What was it? Larry um Oh yeah, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yeah, I had the, the Larry Johnson Reebok pumps when I was a kid too. God, Mama. Do you remember those? Mama. Yeah, you uh, made. It, I believe that some of those commercials were actually filmed at a basketball court in Oak Cliff. Hmm. We'll have so, to verify whether that's true or not. But after we finish this podcast, we're going to get into the <laughs> coat rental game. That just rent a coat, get you one. There are so many airports where this could be a viable model. You're flying into Minneapolis. You're flying into Fargo. You're flying into Detroit. Um, right. Austin. Yeah, yeah. You could you could totally do this, I think. I think so. I think so. I think Daniel threw me for a loop with needs to be cleaned. But <laughs> yeah, think- bed bugs might be an issue. <laughs> I think- all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So recently, for those of us with Spotify – we were told that there is a new Sturgill Simpson episode. It's got kind of a theme. It's got kind of a flavor. It's a little bluegrassy. I believe it's kind of a shout out to Redheaded Stranger. I could be completely wrong about that and that it sort of tells a story. Uh, Phil, have you been listening to this album? And if so, what are your thoughts? I have been listening to it. 
it is what is it called is called the ballad of dude in juanita and i think it for sure is a nod towards uh the redheaded stranger or Mm. like willie nelson um a tip of the hat mostly because they all uh sturgill got willie to show up um is that right yep he's on Ah, I wish I could. I remember could remember the name of the song. Possibly the song Juanita. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, I started listening to the album and don't remember picking it up on that. I think I only listened to it once. Um, yeah, Juanita uh, okay. is a track that's got Willie Nelson on it, and it's pretty okay. funny because it's you know it's the type of theme where you talk about why is this person from the Kentucky like whatever foothills named Juanita when there mm-hmm. isn't a senorita in right. like 2000 miles. I remember is, that in the song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. I think his, he did some neat stuff on uh, one of the early songs. I think it's called old dude where mm-hmm. he kind of tricks you into thinking that he's going to rhyme some of the words together, but he doesn't. I like and that. that is really cool. It's almost like, He's been such a master at lyrics that he's just trying out experimental stuff. And you almost kind of don't notice because he's so good at it, which is really cool. Right, right. Uh, but I, I mean, I recommend it. I think – I don't know when it came out. Relatively recently. I would I think say maybe it, a month and a half or two months ago if yeah, I guess. And, but it, it's been on my list of stuff to check out. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't really want to listen to a, a concept album right now. But uh-huh. it's, I mean, you know, I'm real big into concept albums like Samstown. You put Samstown on, <laughs> check it out. But uh, anyway, big, heavy recommendation on go if you're into Sturgill at all. Yeah, check and it shout out. out to Sturgill, big friend of the pod. Yeah, huge Brandon. friend of the pod. Brandon, do you listen to Sturgill? I assume you do. I don't. Um, I haven't. He's one of those people that, um, you know, people whose taste in music I respect are into, but I've just never, I've never gotten into it. Interesting. Interesting. It's not bad. It's probably wouldn't be a waste of time. Check yeah, it out. I, I would rate him as very good, very excellent. And he's been doing a lot of kind of bluegrassy stuff recently yeah. which i think is fantastic and worth spending some time with i bought yeah. his first record the one that came out i think right before he blew up that when it was still very much in kind of a uh sort of bluegrass sort uh-huh. of uh, kind of bakersfield sounding country uh-huh. vein um that was all right but no i've never really listened to any of the kind of weird psychedelic yeah, yeah, country yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. that's the fun that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's where he hits the hardest. The only one I really didn't listen to was his rock album, and I regret that. I need to spend more time with that. Is that the Sound and Fury? It came out in 2019. Is that what you're I talking think about? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, these are the type of albums I've noticed with Sturgill. He'll come out, and a bunch of people are like, "Oh man, new Sturgill!" And you know, one of my brothers will be really into it, and the other one won't have listened to it. And I. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I've just gotten a little bit behind on my Sturgill, but I need to get myself caught up and I well, need he had, to. He had two yeah. albums come out in 2020. Is that right? He had the Cut and Grass one and then the Dude one. 
Well, he had two. There's Cut and Grass Volume One, and I forget the subtitle on it. But then there's Cut uh, and Grass Volume Two, and is that is that like his old hits in bluegrass form? Uh yeah, like okay. sea stories, like yeah, you, okay. sea stories, lightly st- researched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this still, you know, that's a lot of new content. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to take on but yeah i mean at least some of it's uh, recognizable all right so, i'm gonna call a surprise audible here where is it. the pod at on third eye blonde <laughs> you know brandon it's one of those things where if you were to hear it for the first time and it didn't have a bunch of baggage on it you could probably be like it's not that bad but there's just I don't know. I've heard it one billion. They're they're like main hits a billion times just on the radio or Muzak, and like I don't know. I just it's not for me. Is Third Eye Blinds the one with the the singer has short hair and is in a Santana song, or is it the nah. one with the song about amphetamines? The latter. Yeah. How does the song go? Um. That's that one. Did that one. Dude, this guy was back. Yeah, that one. That one. Okay. You nailed it. Okay. I was shooting meth. Okay. Yeah, that one. Um, why do you ask, Brandon? Uh, because I've been on a tear this week listening to the first <laughs> three Third Eye Blind albums almost yeah. extensively. Okay. Oh, my God. So like you're, Daniel's desperate, so desperate. He's like, let me get that Yacht Rock. And Brandon said, I'll one-up you. Let me get mid-90s top 10 um uh i don't even know a studio rock is that what it is it's bad man tell us more brandon so this was a band i really liked you're thirsty out here when they were new um and i don't know what popped into my head but i thought i would go back and and listen to this and see how it stood up 20 plus years later Poorly. I will say this: the non-singles. Does it stand? <laughs> the non-singles do. Some of the singles are grading, in particular, "Semi Charm Life." Wait, is, so I'm, the non-singles are really good? Is that what you're telling me? I think so. I think some of them are really good. Oh man, some people <laughs> on the first record in particular. Me, some people that fill me that I actually liked. I'm not going to say any names that I went to high school with were always trying to tell me that Third Eye Blind was good, and I was just like, "Wow, man!" But people I knew. Yeah, I'm not going to say it here, but I was just like, "Wow!" People, some people you had gone to middle school with were really trying to sell me on Third Eye Blind, and I was just like, oh. "Y'all seem cool. I don't know what this is, but oh man, well, you know." I'm going to say it to each their own. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so tell us more, Brandon. Bill was like, hey, let's talk about the new Sturgill, (laughs) you know, like the concept album and deep dive on where Sturgill's artistry has brought him. Brandon was like, what about Third Eye Blinds? (laughs) All right, keep keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I remember seeing them play at Ovens Auditorium in Charlotte in probably 97 or 98. Eve 6 opened, if y'all remember them. Oh, 100%. Semi-charmed kind of life. That's that's Third Eye Blind. Uh, Daniel, do you remember Eve 6? Yeah, they're another, like the, I got to say, and we were kind of talking about this yesterday. I do like the glimmery guitar tones, which I believe those bands both had. 
Yeah, definitely more so Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind at times very much is on a kind of U2 type thing. That's clearly what they're aiming for. Like if U2 listen to a bunch of emo bands, right? Okay. Um, that's that's kind of their their shtick. My understanding is that the front man, Steve, uh, Stephen Jenkins, is is not a nice person. So I always think about that when I'm listening to them. But that might he's, not be true either. He's 56. I believe that he probably is a really nice person. He was hmm. the valedictorian of his class at Berkeley. Wait, no. Oh, Berkeley non-music school? Berkeley yeah, University of California, yeah. <laughs> Berkeley High School? <laughs> no, nah, he Did went to... just have valedictorians? Yeah, well, valedictorian of English at Berkeley. All right, keep telling us. I'm just reading stuff off the Wikipedia page now. Oh man. So should. Brandon, should I, what am I, if there was one deep cut that I need to listen to, what is it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so there is a B side from the first album called tattoo of the sun that I really like. <laughs> you speaking of tattoo of the sun. Henry Rollins has a tattoo of a uh, sun on his back. That's true. Sublime yeah. album. Is looks there like a, a tattoo? I mean, yeah. That looks like a tattoo of a sun. Right? All right, Brandon, you got me. With those two two <laughs> bits of weird <laughs> um, trivia, I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it. What are you What are you getting from listening to these albums? Is it like a nostalgia feeling, or is it a wow? This is a really underrated band, and Daniel and Phil should not be jerks and should listen to them. Feeling uh, it's it's mostly a nostalgia feeling. I find that when I want to run, I need something um, with certain kinds of qualities to it to keep me motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have found that kind of emo records from the late '90s that I was listening to in high school. Yeah. Are what I need to listen to while I'm running. Okay. He is, he sounds like he's not a total, total idiot based off of the Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> he sounds like he's not a total, or I don't even know. I'll listen to it, Brandon. I'll check it out. I'm going to check it out. I mean, they were making that's that song, I assume, is a number one hit record. Yeah. I always see it on TikTok where. You know, there's like a, a meme where people realize the lyrics to the song and they're like, whoa, Daniel, this might hit for you. When he mm. was 13, his family relocated to Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, He's got some that style Midwest okay. going in him. OK, I okay. think uh, uh, in that same era and I think. I remember kind of talking a lot of uh, talking ill of these type of bands, but a friend of mine really liked the band Space Hog. Mm, and mm, that is a I, thing that people think Space Hog is good. That yeah. seems really unlikely to me. Yeah, I don't know about that either, they're Brandon. British? I don't. Yeah, British. No, 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 no. They're from New York City. They just want you to think they're British. No. Are you serious? That's. Mm. That, that's one of those bands where I think they're probably terrible. What was their big hit? They're probably terrible. In the meantime. But it is true that you sometimes would know someone who was really cool. Yeah. Who really liked Space Hog. Heavily influenced by David Bowie, Queen, and T-Rex. Oh, so it looks like, Phil, we are both right. 
they are an English band from New York City, whatever that means. Yeah, okay. I don't know. That seems really stupid. Okay, so I saw Space Hog live as well at the 1065 Weenie Roast uh, in Charlotte. <laughs> um, this must have been like 96 or 97. They came on 45 minutes late, played a 15-minute set, broke all of their instruments, and left. Okay, that's, that's what you do at the weenie roast if you're playing. <laughs> Man, my manager got us going to the weenie roast. I could top that, Phil. So we've we've been talking state fairs lately on the pod. I just saw um, that for the big Texas State Fair, which is here in Dallas, it's a month long thing. One of the headliners is Sugar Ray. Oh yeah, we're going too. Hmm. Every corner, there's a moment on the- Yeah. Uh, Daniel and I, I think, saw Steppenwolf at Indie Rib Fest. And Sounds believable. They didn't even play Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> and, they, and they didn't have a bassist. They had a, they had a, a <laughs> like bass machine. A bass yeah. machine. It was very weird. Like, Don't box me in. Don't box yeah. me in. So. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, we're still in quick draw, BT dub. So next topic, quick draw, manicure versus pedicure. And of course, classically, quick draw is a quick draw lightning round segment in which we discuss the virtues of one thing versus the other. I have been alive for decades at this point. I have been clipping my own nails, doing my own nail maintenance. I am very successful at maintaining the nails on my hands. The nails that are on my feet, however, are consistently, excuse me, to be honest with you, they are consistently an issue for me. They get broken, all sorts of hang things happen with them. On your feet? Yeah, my feet nails. My feet oh nails. My Probably even worse for you with all the, the cycling, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, those little just, tiny shoes. Come on. Nah. Um, so, you know, maybe three weeks ago, I decided to treat myself. I went to Royal Nail or something along those lines, uh, which is in a new development up at uh, Hampton and Fort Worth here in Oak Cliff. And I went in there and I was shocked at how beautiful the place was. Everyone was masked up, including myself. And I got both a manicure and a pedicure. And I wanted to ask the pod as friends, number one, have y'all ever had manicures and pedicures before? And number two, which do you think is better as a thing? If you had to choose manicure or pedicure, or if manicures had to battle pedicures, in a boxing ring, which would win? Uh, manicure, because it's hands. Pedicure, feet, not valid strikes in boxing. I think pedicure, though, mostly because I think if you get a pedicure done, it lasts longer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to cut my own nails like three days after the manicure. Yeah. I will Brandon, never are you still there? I'm still here. I just I don't <laughs> know what to do with all this section. He's a deep, deep, <laughs> deep, deep thought. Also, you are a regular. You get them constantly, right? It has never crossed my mind to either get a manicure or a pedicure. 
I thought he was going to say yes. I thought maybe that you were doing it, Brandon. You so know, it's never, yeah. Since Phil said something about boxing, though, this this reminds me. Did you all see um, that? What's that guy's <laughs> name from MMA? Connor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Got into Connor a McGregor versus yeah. MGK. Yeah, yeah, got into a slap fight with Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> I saw that. That's uh, ludicrous. That's Completely so ludicrous. I mean, we're Connor. We're Team Connor every day of the week. But yeah, funny yeah. thing is, Connor wouldn't care, but if you came on here and you were like, oh, MGK is bad at slap fighting, like he'll blow you up on Twitter. He wants to fight about it. Slap fighting. MGK is bad at slap fighting. He's like, oh man, Daniel from AOP said I was bad at slap fighting. Oh, he doesn't man. even know. Machine Gun Kelly, I don't know a lot about. Uh, I saw him on Saturday Night Live and was not. I saw him. I said, you're bad at slap fighting just by looking at you. I don't like you with that guitar. I like his look, man. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. So I don't know. Daniel, where are you at? I think you might be the the main person. My only victim here? Yeah, I've never um, had either one. Jeez Louise. All right, so I, I broke it in for the pod. Um, well, I mean, this is just not even a, a question for me. Pedicures are infinitely better than manicures maybe i didn't tell her to cut my nails short enough i was worried that she was going to cut them too short but you know the pedicure they're cleaning up your foot it's not something i don't even want to touch my feet clean, you know? clean it up your foot. <laughs> clean. Yeah, they're soaking can it somebody, can somebody clean this foot up Ugh. <laughs> they're soaking it they're yeah. it's a lot of stuff that i don't personally want to do to be honest with you and i also am always worried that i'm cutting my toenails improperly yeah and maybe maybe too close and maybe a little bit too rounded so i'm i'm gonna be honest with you will i get a pedicure again in the future i'm gonna go with yes on that okay i might check it out now that you've mentioned it i've had a couple people tell me it's great so I might, I might it's look an into it. And there were people in there. So they have free booze in there. And I, you know, just had a water and a, a number of people ordered Sprites, which I found really bizarre. You know, we're going to the spa to relax. Let me get a Sprite, please. Um, mm. But there was one girl there, you know, who was getting her nails done and she had probably three full glasses of red wine. <laughs> I was there for about 40 minutes. Maybe, you know, maybe an hour because I got everything done. But wow. So I don't know what the moral of that story is. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening, of course, as always, to Angels of Paradise. It's AOP Season 2, Ep number 9. Can you all believe it? We are going to take a short commercial break, listen to a word from our sponsors. And when we will return, when we do return, we shall talk about the current fascination with true crime. It's AOP season two, ep nine. All right, y'all, it's Angels of Paradise, AOP season number two, episode number nine. I am Daniel here with Brandon and with Phil. Reminiscing on my youth, sometimes I think about my love of true crime, my fascination with true crime. When I was a youngster, maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, I encountered the book Mind Hunter 
by John Douglas and co-author, which eventually was turned into a Netflix television show. And of course, here in 2021, people spend a whole lot of time thinking about true crime. Sometimes it's said that the genre has been taken over in a good way um, by podcasters, by people who are a little bit more um, caring towards the victims of crimes. It's also the case that now in 2021, we have a proliferation, a cornucopia of true crime options. We as a people, not just me, are really into true crime. And I actually, I'm not sure I've ever had this conversation with either Phil or with Brandon, but I'm curious to know about Brandon and Phil's interest in the true crime genre, their level of engagement with it, and then more broadly, whether or not we think this is a bad turn in American popular culture, a good turn, perhaps, or an ugly term. Uh, Brandon or Phil, who would like to reflect first on the issue of true crime? I've never really found true crime that interesting. I mean, in one sense, I get the same uh, kind of itch scratched, I guess, uh, being obsessed with politics. Uh, um, really? Yeah, I mean, it, it's true crime of a different kind, right? Um, it's, what Do you ever read true crime? No, I've always... It's always bothered me because I grew up in one of those households that always had the local news on, right? And in yeah. Charlotte in particular, it was just like the police blotter. You would think yeah, that yeah. Charlotte was a war zone in the yeah, 90s yeah. watching yeah, the local course. news. House um, fire with dog bites. Yeah. So I think that that really put me off kind of early from this, that it just, I don't know, that stuff I never really got into. But, but politics, on the other hand, that kind of true crime I love. In what sense is politics true crime? So politics to me is basically TMZ Entertainment Tonight, but with some sort of real world implications that we should all care about. And the the entertainment aspects of it, I find disturbing and not very substantive. Whereas for me, true crime, I think the reason that I've always been so fascinated with it is the idea that someone, you know, a detective, whoever could go to a crime scene. There doesn't have to be a body. There doesn't have to be a perpetrator. And they can take clues at the crime scene to try to reconstruct something that happened in the past. I find that personally fascinating. Phil? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the, uh, this is slightly off topic, but I think um, this is to kind of date this show a little bit. Norm MacDonald recently died. RIP. And I always thought Norm MacDonald pretty funny. Uh, I think he's a real smart dude, but I also thought like he kind of, some of his stuff i I'm not a fan of, obviously, but really one of his jokes was always he'd always had this recurring joke about making light of the O.J. Simpson murder or uh, O.J. Simpson (laughs) scenario. And it seems odd to me that when you know the names and could know more easily about the victims, it seems odd to 
constantly be talking about the murderer. Is that or the right? Instead of calling it the Ron Goldman and Cole Brown Simpson murderers, we call them the OJ yeah. murders. And so I don't know what I'm getting at there, but I think the true crime thing for me is it when you know uh, the context being devoid of the victims seems mm-hmm. uncomfortable to me sometimes, or um, not. Not also respecting, I guess, not that people are disrespectful towards the victims, but it seems almost like elevating the yeah. the 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 detective and elevating the um, you know the murderer or the criminal yeah. or whatever to a place in society that just seems kind of a bummer, right? So it's sort uh, of, it's sort of lurid. And in in being so, we forget about the victims, and then we also layer on top of this the creation of a hero who is the detective. The Manson family stuff, I think, is a prime example of this. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, like I I'm pro cracking solving <laughs> solving mm-hmm. murder cases, right, and I right. think there is in the case of Mindhunter, I think. The other thing that going that's going on with that was the development of forensic, uh-huh. like techniques, mm-hmm. um, te- like forensic tech. I think that's what Mindhunter. I mean, I haven't read the book. I've only seen the 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 show. But right, right. Presumably, it was. It's about like this is a historical look at the development of new processes around uh-huh. solving uh, these types of. And classification, putting the killers right. into different categories, right. using those categories to identify people who may or may not be the perpetrator. Yeah. And so I think that is – that's a, a cool look. I think – I'm not familiar with a lot of the other ones going on right now, but there's a, there's lots of podcasts about true crime things where it's just yes. like, yeah. isn't it messed up that this <clears throat> these people were brutalized in this way? Yeah. It's like that. Ah, it, so it one messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one reason I've been thinking about this, to be honest with you, is there. I'm not going to say any names or anything, but there is a case right now that involves a missing young woman. And if you were, you know, really able to use your brain, you probably would come to some c- conclusions about who the most likely perpetrator of what is likely a murder was this is a uh, certain social media personality correct um, okay. and so i find it a little bit disturbing in real time to be seeing and, and i i am talking about the podcasters here to be seeing the podcasters respond to this in a a manner that almost makes me feel as if they're excited that this crime has occurred and that they get to follow it. Yeah. And um, that makes me very uncomfortable about my interest in the true crime genre, which I'm never going to stop being interested in. Right. And I thought about this earlier today. And the reality is, I think this is true. If we were talking about uh, burglaries or something along those lines, I would also be really interested in how you can reconstruct a crime without any sort of uh, witness interviews or, you know, without knowing the perpetrator, I I would be happy to read books that were like that. I don't think that there's a huge market 
for that type of book. And it is the case that these books, and I've read, you know, just countless true crime books over many decades of life. Um, and they are about the killers, right? They're, yeah. And they do make the detectives heroes, and they do not spend a lot of time talking about the victims. There's kind of a forced, almost fake uh, sympathy that's always, and I hate to say it that way, but it feels accurate, that's expressed towards the victims. But ultimately, in a lot of these um, documentaries, podcasts, uh, books, which I, I read a lot of the books and I do consume you know, a few of the podcasts also, the, the victim is kind of, they're the reason that we get to tell the story, but they are not the story. And, you know, I, I do feel very bad about that. And I'm feeling almost even worse about it, given, given the current circumstance. If we were to talk about non-murder yeah. <laughs> um, things that break through into yeah. the cult, popular culture, you can count them on maybe one or two hands. But at the top, you got DB Cooper heist. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> it's like yeah, no, I mean, right? So there is there it's is, still interesting, but it's, right? but it's not it's not the level of do you want to? It's not like serial killers. You know, like well, there is the books about DB Cooper are just not very good. I am I find the <laughs> the unsolved mysteries content on DB Cooper is top notch. The documentary that HBO put out about DB Cooper is not even worth. I'm not even sure that I finished it. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, there's a book a few years ago, Skyjacked or Skyjacker, mm-hmm. and it's also I I can see it right now on my bookshelf. Skyjack, not very good. And it's basically a list of people who might have been D.B. Cooper and who think that their uncle is D.B. Cooper. And that's part of the D.B. Cooper saga, right? That it's unsolved. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'd like to see uh, John Douglas. If you haven't read any of the John Douglas books, geez, Louise, step your game up. Because he'll kind of step into something that you're very familiar with and give you an analysis of it. That mm-hmm. is going to be persuasive most times. Got you know, it. Lindbergh baby, something you've heard a million times. He'll have a, a take on it that makes makes a lot of sense. I would like to see him do something about uh, DB Cooper personally. Mm. What do you think the appeal of this stuff is? Do you think people are reading true crime out of uh, prurient interest? Uh, do you think that this is about you know justice? on a small level in what is an unjust world. I mean, what is it that people get out of this stuff? I think it's about solving problems to be yeah, honest I mean, with they're you. They're mysteries. I mean, it's yeah. the, the way I've always thought of it and right or wrong is this, it's mystery writing, except it's, you know, yeah. being pulled from, Oh, this could yeah. really happen to you or yeah. did it happen? This is just like, yeah, mystery writing. I think, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, our fundamental desire to solve problems. And then you throw into it, a lot of them are going to be sets in milieus that are almost inherently interesting. So you mentioned Manson and Helter Skelter is, you know, it's late 1960s Los Angeles. So we're talking about sort of the social circles of the Beach Boys, social circles of big time record producers. We're talking about the hippie scene. Uh, we're talking about 
um, you know, the film scene, uh, famous artists of the period. So it kind of, it's like you're brought into this particular world that you would be happy to encounter under any circumstances. And then you're given in the, in the Manson case, this terrible victim who also had this amazing ability to exercise control over other people. And then a mystery that's being solved by detectives and being prosecuted by this charismatic prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi. So there's kind of a whole, um, it's almost a, I mean, I really hate to say this, but it's almost sort of a madman uh, type scene in terms of the different levels of things that people inherently are going to be interested in. And then you're throwing these horrific murders on top of it. And it's going to draw people in every single time. And by the way, um, if you haven't watched the only two seasons that exist of what is that David Duchovny show called Aquarius, please go out and check out those two seasons of Aquarius. And if you are a David Duchovny fan, um, and of course I'm a David Duchovny fan, uh, might be kind of fun for you. All right. I'll check it out. Uh, Brandon, do you have another take on why they are so popular? I don't. It's something I've never considered because I'm not, I've never read any of these books. I don't watch any of these shows. Um, I always wonder if the interest isn't something um, more disturbing in the human psyche. Uh, Just as kind of a background on this, I don't watch horror movies at all. I can't stand the genre. I'm just physically repelled by it. Mm. And I'm I'm deeply disturbed by um, the fixation in particular for gore that a lot of people seem to have. I don't Um, like gore. Mm. I don't like gore. Yeah, and so I, this all kind of uh, swims around together in my mind, and I'm not sure I'm like it should. Bush but... v. Gore, Nader. <laughs> That's right. A classic Nader case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Brandon, I'm with you. I think I told the pod that I watched that recent um, Suicide Squad movie, and it's just like, this is so stupid. The amount of gore in it is so stupid. Uh, just like useless. Where are you at with like an LA confidential? In terms of gore? Shotgun no, in scenes? Terms of, it's mm-hmm. a true crime adjacent film in that it's written by James Elroy, who is a huge true crime buff and who writes in a style that is, I think, you know, uh, lurid is a good way to describe the way that he writes. Um, and it's a, it's a very well made film that obviously is not a true crime film, but I think is adjacent. I'm a, yeah, big fan. I, I would watch it now that you mentioned it. I would I watch know. it right now. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't like crime in general, Brandon. No, I mean, old school kind of detective stuff I will watch. Um, I think what I don't like is, is exactly what Phil was discussing earlier. The, fixation pop culture seems to have on things like serial killers. I'm deeply mm-hmm. disturbed by that, that kind of stuff. I always hated the X-Files episodes that veered <sighs> too far in that direction. Really interesting. There, I'm trying to think of serial killers. I mean, obviously crack man. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, from the X-Files. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, 
can't really remember any those ones just never stuck with me because it just seemed yeah, like yeah. filler content just like yeah, we gotta yeah. we gotta fill out this season let's have a serial killer that's weird and thinking <laughs> thinking about unsolved mysteries as a tv show they almost never talked about serial murderers at all and they were very focused on victim right yeah um you know here's the strange circumstances of this person's death it was never a story about you know green river killer or things along those lines yeah Hmm. ladies and gentlemen you are as always and we know you do it every week you are listening to angels of paradise aop season two can you believe it episode number nine Segment number two of today's episode. I am going to hand this over to Philip because I believe that Philip can lay out the scene uh, substantially more eloquently than I am able to do so. Phil? I'll do my best. So in the technology news lately, there's been a lot of talk of encryption Mm. and uh, like your your right to your data and Apple recently announced something. I thought the pod might, uh, I'd like to hear the thoughts of the folks on the pod about, which is related to a very, very, I think noble attempt, but also kind of flawed, pretty flawed at Mm. Apple trying to, um, help out authorities in their, identification and then i guess subsequent you know prosecution of people using apple devices to transmit and store images of child abuse yeah and i think that is definitely something they probably struggle with just because of the scale of the amount of people that have apple devices uh-huh. but something that's really weird which is apple historically has been one of the few companies that says we do end-to-end encryption and your stuff is your stuff. It's very secure. But in this new kind of policy, and they've recently rethought this and they've stepped it back a little bit, but the gist is, is that if you use their cloud systems called iCloud Mm. and you upload photos to it, they will scan your photos for child abuse seems pretty straightforward i think the weird part for me is is that they have a another aspect of the system that's is running on your device at all times that is scanning every photo you take yeah yeah and so i don't think that's i mean that seems like good intention but at the same time it's kind of like apple don't go on my phone like don't use my CPU power, my battery to run these scans on my phone. And then the thing that's really weird is that it kind of changes the scenario from, if you recall the tragic San Bernardino shooting where they recovered some iPhones and the, the, FBI was like, Apple, give us the back door to get into these phones. And Apple was like, can't do it. And the FBI was like, nah, seriously, give us the back door. And Apple said, 
no, seriously, there is no back door. We can't yeah. get into the phones. Yeah. So now it's, you know, with this new policy, it's a little bit different in the sense that there is a back door and that even in the best of intentions, it seems yeah. like that could be abused or taken advantage of by governments, by, yeah. you know, nefarious hacker folks, um, or even just like Apple itself. So I'm interested, pod yeah. folks, are yeah. we worried all about Apple being able to scan our files basically whenever they want? I think this is an interesting question, Phil. And one of the things that jumps out to me um, in the way that you've described the problem is I don't think when all of us initially adopted the various devices that have become part of everyday life, like laptops and the first smartphones and all of this, I don't think any of us thought we were opting into a kind of continual negotiation with the manufacturer of these products. I think people thought the computer was theirs, the cell phone was theirs, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I think has changed or I've realized in the last few years is that apparently this device that I've paid for isn't actually mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what to think about that. I, yeah. I find it strange. At the same time, I also realize there's no opting out. What are you going to do? Not have a phone, right? I mean, realistically, I guess you could, but it would severely limit um, many aspects of your life. Yeah. I don't find it strange at all. I have never believed that these products are just neutral platforms. For as long as I've been using these products, I've recognized that they are in all likelihood keeping my data analyzing my data and that there is a very real danger that is associated with this. It's 2021. So we hear, you know, all sorts of people telling us, you know, oh, these vaccines, it's a microchip and they're collecting information about you. And of course, we're reading this on the Facebooks, the Instagrams and the Twitters. People have decided that they want to share all this information with the world and they don't recognize the danger of sharing this information. They don't recognize that they're basically walking around with a tracking device. And for me, I, I believe that information is incredibly useful, inherently valuable, inherently of value, and also inherently dangerous. The more information that you have about the world, uh, the more dangerous that you can be. And I don't want to get, um, you know, I always think about uh, this excellent book called Seeing Like a State by James C. Scott. And in this book, Seeing Like a State, uh, one segment of the book discusses the collection of information about religious identity by the right. Dutch authorities during the 1920s. Um, information that was collected you know, just for sort of neutral, neutral bookkeeping purposes, not, um, not with any sort of ill intent. And yet information that during the 1940s became incredibly dangerous and was used by the occupying Nazis to identify where Jews were living in the Netherlands. 
our information when given to a private entity is just as dangerous as when given to a government. And I think that we are getting to a place where people sort of understand that. I think people, you know, sort of realize the whole, you know, you are the product thing. Um, They may not be able to, to overcome it, but we're all aware of the level of surveillance that exists in these devices. And so, you know, I, I'm sure it goes to that saying that all of us at some level and laud Apple for taking this step. Right. Yeah. But it also goes to that saying that it identifies, maybe illuminates is the right word. The, uh, the transparency of our actions on technology, right? And the fact that this information is going somewhere and can be used by people for good in this case or for bad. So I want to push back on that for a second because I think there's two things that got conflated in in your discussion that I want to kind of pick apart. When you talk about information and people giving over information on things like social media sites, there is a user agreement with engaging in Facebook or Instagram. I don't recall signing a user agreement when I bought my laptop. I don't recall you signing one when I, you know, purchased a phone. In other words, I'm trying to draw a distinction between the physical hardware Mm. and the services connected with it. Now, I think what Phil has outlined is that there probably is some sort of service agreement with using the iCloud storage. You're you're using an operating system. You're checking a little I accept when you you accept iOS or Google Android or whatever operating system. Yeah, maybe you own the hardware and some not even real, to be honest with you vague sense because the hardware is basically useless without software without at this point being linked to other people via the internet. But no, I mean, you're, you're clicking a little box and the reality is anytime that you are connecting your hardware device to the internet, you should expect danger. Yeah. And like, you know, photos, I understand the, the use case, child abuse. I understand that. I think it's slightly more weird when you consider that um, the photos are one thing, but scanning my text messages would be another one. And I'll give you an example that just seems like a major bummer, which would be if you were talking about any HIPAA protected stuff, Mm -hmm. um, for example, Texas comes to mind, somebody talks about wanting to get an abortion it's Mm. like apple could just be like flag it (laughs) you know tell the state of texas it seems no tell a private individual anywhere in the nation well yeah it seems like a major major bummer and then uh the other one you have to expect that right yeah you can't you can't expect that you're transmitting your information to this third part party some for some reason people think that apple or google is safer than the U.S. government. Yeah, I mean that's the they thing have is, a lot more information and a lot more power when it yeah. comes to technology. Daniel, I told you this. I recently bought a, a GMC truck. Ooh, and it has OnStar on it. Ah, and I'm like, oh my god, did I just buy a? Yeah, you bought a tracking device. I bought a, a big, huge 
tracking device. Luckily, I don't go anywhere or do anything that that that's that interesting. Well, I mean, how many how many trips to Planned Parenthood are happening in find GM the, trucks? The, the Prodigy lyric. Um, what's that song called? I'm I'm getting on the internet real quick. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, Brandon, I'm with you though. The distinction of you don't own your hardware really; you're just kind of leasing it. You know. Um, All right. So here's yeah. I want to, you know, I want to get back to the Prodigy song, and I'm not sure when this album came out. Maybe 2004, 2005, or so. Um, Prodigy featuring the Alchemist on the beats. Oh, I thought uh, you were talking about like the rave band from the nineties. No prodigy nah. from uh mob nah. deep. Mob yeah, deep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, Rest I in lost peace, my... right? There's prodigy. Prodigy's He's no longer dead, with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my search function is not good. You, I, keep I talking alone. for a sec. I sit alone in my dirty uh, room staring yeah. at candles. That's such a good song. Uh, hi, I'm uh, uh, I had it, man. Okay. Let me, I'm sorry, podcast. I know this is not. No, it's cool. I'm just, I'm reminiscing about Prodigy lyrics right now. That's a great album, by the way. What is that called? Uh, Prodigy solo album. Yeah, that's what it is. Can you guys just talk for a second? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can, I can riff some more on this. So, um, riff. The thing that, that Daniel has pointed out. I found it. Is interesting. The idea that, we should all be aware that the moment you go on the internet, you're not safe in some sense. But I think to push back slightly, I think people are only gradually becoming more and more aware of that. Yeah. Are they? I, I don't know if that's right. I think nowadays people are well aware of the fact. And by the way, I have the lyrics now. Go for they it. got eyes in the sky. We under surveillance that on star on your car track everywhere you've been. Got to watch what I say. They tap in my cell phone. They want to sneak and peek inside my home. Yeah, that's on Return of the Mac, isn't it? Is that yeah, on Return? That's of the- like, I mean, all right. Release date March twenty seventh, two thousand and seven. I was pretty close. Come on, people. Do people really not know that they are just leaking information everywhere? at all times i don't think they did for a long time i mean think back to when we were in college and facebook was brand new and people um felt betrayed several years later when they realized that they had basically just handed over uh huge swaths of their lives why would they not be and what world are you on the internet telling everyone everything about yourself and you expect it to be protected information. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and I think Phil might agree with me. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that he's going to agree with me on this. I think for some of us who grew up online, there was a strain of kind of techno utopianism uh, involved in all of this, that we thought the internet was making a better world or at least had the tools to do so. Time magazine, 1993. <laughs> yeah that's outdated information brandon i think i think splitting the difference on this is probably more like people know but they don't care because yeah they don't care they don't care because they haven't seen it be abused yeah. um or the abuse is so slow to come like it, and it will be abused it's slowly correct. incrementally being abused that people don't notice um, I'm not saying that that's like a conspiracy. I just think that. Um, 
Well, I'll give you an example um, where we can discuss the line between legitimate and illegitimate use. How many of the people that were arrested for the January 6th, whatever you want to call it, riot? I know. I know. It's, 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 that is, to me, that was a failure of the people that collected the data. So, I don't think that that data would have gotten out if their security system would have done a better job. So like they were, they screwed up. Can you tell us more about this, Phil? Um, the, the way I understand it is that it wasn't that hard to increment through their data programmatically. And so it was all publicly available. It just mm-hmm. um, wasn't, uh, hadn't been published publicly, but there was no safeguard in place to make sure that somebody couldn't programmatically go through URLs looking for photos is the way I vaguely remember it showing so up. So that's, I mean, to me, this is a perfect example, right? If you are online yep. and talking about create, what, yeah. engaging in criminal acts you need to expect that those criminal <laughs> acts will yeah. be identified by people who have basic knowledge of computers. Right. Fair? Yeah. And like trusting your criminal conspiracies to uh, a security. Publicly traded companies. It seems really you screwed up or you didn't screw up. Those type of criminals should not get away with anything because they're stupid. they're not good at being criminals. They're not good at being criminals. I only I, mean, I only want criminals that use the most elite technology. Payphones, man. Yeah. Payphone is still the tech. God, you know? yeah, it's um, still the best tech there is, and it's not even it's the internet and you know as Prodigy mentions in the song, you know there are video cameras everywhere. Yeah. And this information is not it's not just sort of chopped up and unavailable at a mass level. It's entirely possible for both these private companies and for the public agencies, FBI's, police departments, etc. that in all likelihood are collecting this information in SA. You know, it's not this isn't like conspiracy theory stuff. Um, you know, right. they can parse this data. This it's it's analyzable, and I don't really understand anyone's shock at any of this. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't think I have a lot of shock at that. I think my main my main pushback is on a public company that has for years told us that they care about and we're talking about Apple. Apple. Because I was going to say, look, Facebook is just a bunch of goofballs. Yeah. They're really not telling us anything of note. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, man, Apple, it's such a, yeah, it's a, it's a wrong, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you want them to solve that. You want them to solve the problem. But you also are like, ah, now you're. you're well, I'm not sure what they're. It'd be interesting to read whatever they've done internally on this. It's an interesting perspective, right? We're not going to try to crack the phone of, excuse me, the the San Bernardino killer, right? Right. But but we will, you know, download uh, that stupid U two album onto right every, everyone's iTunes, <laughs> right? Um, and, and I think this case, we're all, you know, we like 
obviously the idea is not exactly a disturbing one to us. We're disturbed by the idea that, and I'm actually not disturbed by it at all. Let's be honest with you. I assume that if I have a photo on iCloud, that is a photo that Apple is using. And I think they're the only ones who sort of claim not to be doing this thing. That's right. You've got the, what's the Amazon happy or Surrey or, yeah, Alexa. What's your, Alexa? If you've got the Alexa in your house, do you think Alexa is not saving all of your <laughs> your information yeah. and your voice? Yeah, it's like whenever Phil says the word murder, Alexa sort of <laughs> turns on. Yeah, Alexa's like murder. Oh, I mean, yes. come on, man. Yeah, you know, you know, um, and I, I, just, I mean, I think that's not exactly like shocking or hopefully isn't shocking to people that you've you put a listening device <laughs> into your home right. that is in that can search the internet when you tell it to yeah uh you know like what do you expect to come from this well yeah. this is interesting right i mean is one it of, one of the things you could say about orwell's 1984 is the screens that are in the house right yeah i, I don't think orwell would have envisioned that we would have joyfully bought them and placed them there ourselves. I think that <laughs> exactly right. Or this is this is great. What is one of the things in '84 is talking about how you'd think that going to the bathroom would would shield you from prying eyes, but it's actually that was the first place that all <laughs> the prying eyes were put. And it's like yeah. you don't even have to bring video camera or. You don't have to worry about there being video cameras in the bathroom. You are bringing everyone brings one. Yeah. Where's your phone? When do you look at your phone? It's the only time I look at my phone. I want to be graphic, but come on, it brings one right into the place that you're not supposed to. Anyway, whatever. People, Um, I don't know, man. I. It's people have to have this information. This could take. 20 minutes of time on the internet will allow you to know that you are opting in to being tracked at all moments of your life. But what do you do with that information exactly? How is that useful information? There is nothing, Brandon, (laughs) that you can do with that information. It is completely useless information because as you mentioned earlier, we have no means of opting out of these products. We don't have it. Oh, I love it. So this is what's funny, right? We talk about the 20th century as an era of um, intensive state surveillance, of um, authoritarian control. The 21st century has created something far more sinister, but it's corporate control. Yeah, I mean, compare, you know, now we're really getting in there, but I'm not going to make the Facebook Stasi comparison, but... Jeez Louise, who had better information? For real, the East German police or Facebook? One wrote it down on paper. Everyone's <laughs> like, no comment. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, you're not, you're not quite sure what the, the right answer is. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, Facebook is going to have all of your most intimate details. That's just the reality of the situation. And it's because you are sharing them with a private company. Yeah, that is, you know, it's it's like monet, and this is not like no, it's not that people don't know this stuff. Everyone is aware of this. 
you are the product. I'm being monetized. Everyone knows this. You know, the Zuckerberg gets up before Congress and says it. It's not a yeah. I I need to ask more people in the street if they realize that every single thing they type into Google and look for is being stored for all time. (laughs) They they know it. They have to know it. And that uh, maybe. I hope so. If they don't know it, what is wrong with them? Why? I mean, how do you think Google works? <laughs> yeah, for, I don't know. That's, that's what Google does. I think people think Google is the government. I think they think that's like, yeah, America came up with Google. It's just like- I think we are, we are very lucky that Google is not the government. Google and Facebook are substantially better at doing what they do than the U.S. government is. No offense to the U.S. government. Shout out to the U.S. government. Shout out to the U.S. government. Major sponsors. Major sponsors of the pod. Friend of the pod. U.S. government. We would be in serious trouble, man. If the, I mean. Right. right, Brandon, say something reasonable. Uh, It's funny to me. uh, In the wake of 9-11, with the establishment of the Department of Homeland Security, people were legitimately concerned about which books they checked out of the library. Now we have something less than 20 years later, far more um, overwhelming, and most people's response is to shrug. Dude, I remember being – I remember thinking the Patriot Act was the end of America in college. I remember being like, they're what? They're keeping track of what I check out from the library? And oh, people think no. because they're giving that information to Facebook or Google – or whoever that it's somehow safer. Yes, yeah, insane. So, ah, boys, my ladies angels, and gentlemen, my angels. You have been listening to Angels of Paradise AOP, season two, episode number nine. One of our best episodes, and they're all pretty good. Speaking for Brandon and Phil, it has been quite a pleasure to be here with y'all. And we look forward to seeing you this fall on the next episode of Angels of Paradise. Peace and good tidings. We will see y'all next week.